Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Mike McDaniel. I'm riding solo here today for this podcast. Uh, the reason why, of course, is because this is an emergency podcast. This is one that we were not expecting to record today, or I wasn't expecting to record today anyway. And Joey and I were taking a break here for a few days as he prepares for his baseball trip and goes on a little mini vacation. So uh, he'll go ahead and enjoy that. And we'll get together next week to do our ACC conference preview. Uh, we got a special guest coming on that we're really excited to have on again, uh, friend of the show here. So really excited to have that guest on. Um, here's why I'm hitting record today. There was a piece that was authored by Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated uh, that dropped this afternoon. I'm, I'm sitting here recording here Thursday afternoon. Um, uh, Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated, and we'll we'll go ahead and we'll uh, we'll we'll pump this up on social media, put it on Twitter, and uh, I'm sure you guys will read this before a, a lot of you anyway. At least our Virginia Tech following will read this before this podcast is even uh, is even out to you guys to listen to. But Ross Dellinger penned a piece called "Inside Virginia Tech's Internal Turnaround After a Season of Division and Negativity." So essentially what Ross is going to do here is outline all of the issues that surrounded the Hokies for the 2018 football season. One that was their first losing season since 1992. Hokies went six and seven last year. We've chronicled up and down throughout the offseason, throughout the entirety of last season on the podcast, all of the different issues that Virginia Tech had. And it extended beyond the season, right? The Hokies went to a bowl game after a rescheduled game against Marshall, uh, in early December, Hokies win that game. They go to a military bowl. They eventually lose to Cincinnati in the bowl game. And after that, everybody started transferring, right? And and we've gone through it in great detail. There was wide receiver Eric Kuma, who, uh, you know, entered the transfer portal and he moved on. He's now over at Old Dominion, as is tight end Chris Cunningham. Uh, we've chronicled that at length as well. Uh, you know, a guy that, you know, didn't, didn't start all the time for the Hokies, but was a guy who had significant playing time uh, throughout the course of his Virginia Tech career. And, and he transferred out of the program as well and and moved on to Old Dominion to join Eric Kuma. There was Trayvon Hill, who had a pretty big game against Florida State in the opener and uh, ends up getting dismissed from the team. And he had issues at Virginia Tech. I mean, that was that was clear. Uh, had trouble staying on the field, and it wasn't because of injury. It was because of issues that he had with the coaching staff. Um, you know, something that Norm Wood, and you guys will remember we had Norm Wood on. If you haven't heard the, the interview and the preview of the Virginia Tech football season, make sure to go check that out wherever you get your podcast. Um, again, we're on the Anchor app, which I'm sure you guys heard in the intro with the ads and are well aware of now, but make sure to go check that out. Norm Wood uh, from the Daily Press and Newport News. He was great with us. And he spoke to the Trayvon Hill issue at Virginia Tech and talked about how, you know, 
the media and, and the beat writers couldn't quite put their finger on what was going on at Virginia Tech with Trayvon Hill, but he was causing issues in the locker room that ultimately led to his dismissal. Well, he ends up transferring out of the program, eventually graduated from Virginia Tech. So while he was dismissed from the football program, he was still able to continue in school at Virginia Tech. So clearly this was not a university issue for Hill. It was one that simply surrounded the football team. So Hill goes ahead. He graduates this past May and moves on to Miami, where he's got one year of eligibility left as a graduate transfer, and he'll be playing a significant role for the Hurricanes this fall. And we'll be seeing him facing off against Virginia Tech here in a couple of months. But Trayvon Hill was a problem and a guy who was clearly a catalyst in the locker room. And, you know, we'll get into this Ross Dellinger piece in a second. But while Trayvon Hill is not explicitly mentioned in this article, this article does bring to light the issues that, you know, he was a catalyst for, right? Um, internal negativity, uh, comments that were made before games, before the final game of the year against Marshall, before the Virginia game. You know, the, the fact that he didn't want to go to a bowl game, the fact that that attitude permeated throughout the Virginia Tech locker room that was already ravaged by injuries. He had injuries all year long, up and down the roster, offensive line at, at receiver they had that, you know, they were nicked up. Um, Hezekiah Grimsley, a, a guy who emerged early in the season, he was nicked up all year long, um, was clearly not 100%. Josh Jackson, the starting quarterback from, from game one, goes out with a broken leg against Old Dominion. And that was just the start of Virginia Tech's issues last year. Uh, they had injuries up and down the roster. And it was never a season that got off on the right foot after that Florida State game. There was just no consistency throughout the year. We saw it in in the loss to Old Dominion. The Hokies gave up something like 600 yards of total offense in that game to a team that's pretty new to the FBS, guys. I mean, this is not... A, 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 while Old Dominion is a good program and they have an excellent area they're able to recruit to, and in my opinion, they're a sleeping giant in the group of five, that's a team that Virginia Tech should beat. And they give up hundreds and hundreds of yards. And that just kind of underscored the issue on the defensive side of the ball all year long. But when you have negativity in the locker room, you know, either from losing or just being a bad egg, right? Being a locker room cancer, and I hate that word, right? But being a guy who tears the locker room apart and it permeates throughout the building, it's going to be pretty difficult for you to have a successful season, right? And Virginia Tech, it, it was clear there were internal issues last year as the, as the season went on. And throughout the course of the year, things just got worse and worse on defense. The offense was inconsistent, but it was more than what was going on on the football field. And Fans, beat writers, everybody could sense it. And we we take a look at this Ross Dellinger article. And again, I'll tweet this out from, from the Basketball Conference Show account here in a little bit. It dives into the issues at Virginia Tech. And I tweeted this out a couple minutes ago. This goes for any program, by the way, not just Virginia Tech. And I, I'm passionate about it because I'm a Hokie, right? And guys like Trayvon Hill and guys like Chris Cunningham, you know, these people that aren't explicitly mentioned, Eric Kuma as well, these guys who aren't explicitly mentioned in the article, but it was clear they were dividing the locker room, right? And and driving a wedge between, you know, the players and the coaching staff and any sort of hope that the Hokies had to salvage a year that was spiraling out of control. I, I As a Hokie, it's upsetting, right? Because you're a fan of the program in, in some cases. And for some of you listening to this podcast, we do have a, a pretty large Virginia Tech following. A lot of you contribute to the Hokie Club, right? The Booster Club, the to support the athletics department. And when you hear these stories about players who don't respect the program, and this goes for any school, right? It's going to bother you, right? It's going to, it's going to leave an impact on you. And 
it hurts recruiting. It hurts money for facilities. Like these, these people who are so passionate about their respective college program, they hear stories like this and it makes them not want to contribute any of their hard-earned money to a program to better the university's athletic program and an athletic department. And it bothers me as a Hokie, but I think for any college football fan, you can understand that when you have a situation that occurs like this at Virginia Tech and you read this story, for guys who are transferring out of the program and guys who are leaving for the wrong reasons. I'm not just talking about, hey, I want I want more playing time. I want to transfer to another university for a graduate school because they have a graduate program I'm interested in that, you know, that you may not have at your current undergraduate institution. And a lot in a lot of cases, these guys aren't going to be moving on to the NFL and they want to have an opportunity after graduation to pursue something they're passionate about. And sometimes a graduate program is not offered at their respective school. And those guys are transferring th- for the right reasons. But when you have situations like in Virginia Tech with Trayvon Hill, a guy who's dismissed from the football program early in the year, who's tweeting cryptic tweets all year long about how the coaching staff and the, about the coaching staff and guys on the roster and a guy who's clearly trying to drive a wedge between the players and the program look if you're going to transfer because you've been dismissed from the team if you're going to transfer because you don't like the coaching staff or you don't like some of the players in my opinion don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out okay go and i think a lot of fans can speak to this right like you don't want those types of people associated with your football program. So that's my two cents on that. Let's dive into this article a little bit. Uh, the very first line, it's a quote. And uh, Trey Turner is referenced in this article. Trey Turner, who's coming into his sophomore year at Virginia Tech, he emerged at the wide receiver position. No inside knowledge here, but in my opinion, the emergence of Trey Turner is a big reason why Eric Kuma transferred from the program. But Here's a quote here early in the article. Do not catch a touchdown. If you catch a touchdown, I'm going to have to fight you. This is an actual quote coming out of the Virginia Tech locker room last season. It goes on to say, Trey Turner's own Virginia Tech teammates encouraged him and other players to concede the Hokies' December 1st game against Marshall last year, a game that determined if the season would extend to a bowl trip. As unbelievable as they are, these quotes are real, says Turner and other Tech players. Here's another quote. I really hope we lose. The comments came from months from the months of a small group from the excuse me. The comments came from the mouths of a small group of players no longer on the team. Guys who, who meant to cripple their own squad just hours before the regular season finale. Just a wide-eyed true freshman receiver last season, Turner was struck by the vitriol of his teammates. You guys know where those quotes are coming from, Virginia Tech fans. It's coming from guys like Eric Kuma, right? Who are seeing the emergence of a guy like Trey Turner. Hey, don't catch a touchdown pass. You're going to make me look bad, right? Don't take my spot on the roster. A guy who directly suffered playing time, by the way, Damon Hazleton, an all-ACC player last year, second-team all-ACC, a guy who emerged for Virginia Tech after transferring into the program from Ball State. He's a guy who directly suffered from the emergence of Trey Turner last year, right? And Trey Turner's a guy who stuck around because he wanted to be a Virginia Tech Hokie. He played really well for the Hokies last year. Trey Turner emerges. Damon Hazleton takes a step back, doesn't get as much playing time, as many snaps in the season finale, right? Didn't play a ton in the bowl game. Yeah, he was banged up a little bit. Everybody was. But Trey Turner's emergence was a big reason why. Eric Kuma, and it doesn't say this in the article, but Eric Kuma knew this was coming, right? Saw the emergence of Trey Turner. Don't catch a touchdown pass. Don't win this football game. I want to go home. I don't want to go to a bowl game. Directly to that, here's another quote. Well, if we lose, we can go home early and don't have to go to a bowl game. 
These are the type of players that were in Virginia Tech's locker room last year. Guys who didn't want to be there. Another quote here in the article, so tight end Dalton Keene heard these cries too, including the one above during preparation for the game against the Thundering Herd at the team hotel the morning of the game, and even on the bus en route to the stadium. There were players on the roster at Virginia Tech last year actively advocating, lobbying for the players to throw the game on the way to the stadium, going to the stadium. To play Marshall on December 1st. A stadium, by the way, 65,000 fans, about 30 fans, 30,000 fans show up to, right? 30,000 fans show up to a game that was scheduled the Monday before, right? Passionate Virginia Tech fans, right? That are that are from that New River Valley area. Go to the game, support the Hokies. And you got guys on the bus on the way over to the stadium to play this makeup game against Marshall, actively advocating for their teammates to throw the football game. No wonder the Hokies won six and seven. First of all, they're lucky they won the week before against Virginia. It was a miracle. Bryce Perkins fumbles, right? A miracle that the Hokies won that game against UVA. Hokies had no business winning that game against Virginia last year. They had no business winning that game. They lucked into it. A lot of people would say they lucked into it. I said on this very podcast with Joey, and and we can go back and, and grab that audio at some point. Joey and I were talking about how the Hokies lucked into that win, leading to the rescheduled game against Marshall. The Hokies were not going to reschedule that game against Marshall if they hadn't beaten UVA. This was all about extending the bowl streak, and that was clear. There was an East Carolina game got got canceled because of the hurricane early in the year, and we know the mess with that. Um, Virginia Tech fans in particular know the mess with that. They, You know, there was a... There were scheduled games with East Carolina for years to come, but the Hokies voided the game. Hokies actually wanted to play in the game. East Carolina didn't want to travel, which I completely understand. The two athletic departments were clashing about a date in which they would make the game up. East Carolina eventually said at the end of the day, hey, we don't want to, we don't want to make up this game. Obviously left a bad taste in Whit Babcock's mouth. Who can blame them? They signed a contract to play a game this year, right? So they're trying to reschedule that game for the end of the year. Virginia Tech fighting for bowl eligibility. East Carolina want nothing to do with it. Hokies win that game miraculously against UVA. They're lucky they did. God damn, are they lucky they did. You listen to this article. You read this article. You listen to you know, everybody talking about what's been going on at the Virginia Tech program. You listen to Norm Wood on the podcast saying that there were internal problems all year long. We had him on for the preview and he spoke to that at length. There were issues at Virginia tech last year. They're very lucky. They won the UVA game. They win the Marshall game, a game that look for Marshall to come to lane stadium after they had a bowl berth locked up. They already knew what bowl game they were going to go to. They had no reason to be there. No motivation to be there. That's neither here nor there. Virginia tech goes in. They win that game against Marshall. And, you know, the Hokies go to a bowl game against Cincinnati. Yeah, they lost. They lose the military bowl, right? And then immediately players start transferring out of the program. And there were some whispers about this, too. You know, heading into the offseason, there were whispers about what's going on at Virginia Tech. What's going on with Justin Fuente? Is Is he the guy for the job? Does he have control over the locker room? And right after the season ended and the Hokies lost to Cincinnati in that military bowl, a very good Cincinnati team, by the way, this happened. Directly from Ross's article, behind closed doors, while the outside world buzzed about the Hokies, Fuente called an emergency team meeting to address the attrition. 
it reached shocking levels with 14 players in the transfer portal at one point, five of them joining in a 48-hour period. Fuente's quoted here, what's going on? Tell me, Fuente asked his players in a meeting that changed everything here. We got to talk about this and put an end to it. Fuente knew there were issues. Tried to address them. Surely tried to address them throughout the, throughout the season, on the field. But off the field, the team was a mess, hampered by negativity of guys who were in the room. Another quote from the article that I think is pretty telling here. Most here saw the struggles of the 2018 season before they unfolded. They didn't necessarily expect the defense to allow its most rushing yards in a game in 31 years or that the Hokies would endure their first four-game home losing skid since 1973, a feat that never happened under legendary coach Frank Beamer, but they knew something was wrong. I was worried the whole offseason amidst Fuente, Beamer's replacement who's entering his fourth season at Tech. We've seen it coming for a couple years. We were going to be really, really young, and we had some other guys that had been hanging on by a thread for many years. Trayvon Hill, what's up, man? That's directed right at you. Back to the quote here. You can see it coming, and you're trying to stop it, but it's hard to, Fuente said. Fuente knew that the leadership wasn't going to be there. That was clear, right? I mean, it's clear from the quote here. He knew that the guys who were emerging as senior leaders, quote-unquote senior leaders on his roster, weren't going to be leaders at all. It was apparent throughout the year. Guys who were hanging on, hanging on by a thread, guys like Trayvon Hill, that was clear before the season even kicked off a year ago. Everybody knew Trayvon Hill was on thin ice. A guy, Mook Reynolds, another guy who was on thin ice with the coaching staff, was dismissed before the season opener last year. He was slotted in as your starting whip linebacker. He was expected to play a major role for the Hokies last year, a guy who uh, emerged as a very good tackler, a guy who emerged as a linebacker who could cover, right? A little bit undersized, get out and pass coverage, make some plays there. Mook Reynolds was emerging as a big-time player for the Hokies on the field, but off the field, he couldn't stop getting in trouble, hampered by a drug charge later on, which was a big reason why he was dismissed. But Justin Fuente talked at length about, you know, the issues that permeated his locker room. Again, never explicitly mentioning the individuals, but it speaks for itself. You see the issues with Trayvon Hill. You see the issues with Mook Reynolds, Eric Kuma, tweeting up a storm, never thanking the coaching staff. There's there's more to this here, right? And we knew it. We all knew it going into the year. It became more and more apparent throughout the season. Justin Fuente alluding to the to the senior leaders on his roster, saying that he knew that there was going to be an issue and you could sense it coming with all the youth that they had on the roster at key positions last year. We're talking about the defense, right? The secondary. Outside of Reggie Floyd and, and Divine Diablo at safety, who, by the way, hasn't been able to stay healthy. The Hokies really didn't have anybody from a depth perspective that could step right in and play, right? They had Bryce Watts at one cornerback position. He was making his... His first starts as a cornerback, you had Caleb Farley on the other side, similar situation. Two really young guys at corner thrown into the fire. You got young guys at linebacker, including Dax Hollyfield, who's referenced in this article, who was an excellent player for the Hokies and will emerge as one of the leaders of this program for, for years to come here as he enters his second year at Virginia Tech. The Hokies were young. The youth was going to be an issue, and if the Hokies had suffered any injuries, they were going to be hanging on by a threat anyway. The last thing that they could have done to them was this internal locker room strife from the leaders of the ro- of the roster. And Justin Fuente knew it. He referenced it in this article. 
It's pretty brutal, right? That's 2018, though. And when the national media talks about Virginia Tech and all the transfers and what's going on with Justin Fuente and the Hokies, it seems like those guys now who are gone from the program are not really all that big of a loss after all, right? You know, you're worried about the production on the field at receiver with Eric Kuma leaving. You're worried about, you know, Chris Cunningham moving on, you know. You're worried about Bryce Watts, who entered the portal here this past summer and has moved on to North Carolina. You, you worry about guys who have who have played for the Hokies because of the experience factor, not necessarily because of the production. Because the Hokies will find production, right? But you're looking for experience, especially with a young roster. And that's a concern for Virginia Tech going into 2019, and we've talked about that. But from a culture standpoint, Virginia Tech is in a much better place in 2019 than in 2018. I've argued that for a while now. The Hokies are in a much better place culturally this year than they were a year ago. The problems from the roster are gone. Trayvon Hill, gone. Eric Kuma, gone. Chris Cunningham, gone. Bryce Watts, who looked, played really hard for the Hokies last year, never really had any issues uh, that, we, that we're aware of with his teammates or the coaching staff. Thank the coaching staff, by the way, on his way out the door, which is something that a lot of these guys couldn't do. A lot of these guys, these prior guys who transferred, they couldn't do it. They couldn't. You know, in these situations, they couldn't thank the coaching staff for everything they had done for them, couldn't thank them for a scholarship, for the free college tuition, the fact they're getting a free education, graduating from great university. Trayvon Hill couldn't thank his coaching staff. He couldn't thank his teammates. They're all gone, and the Hokies are going to be better in 2019 because of it. Culturally, they're in a much, much better place than they were a year ago. Let's go back to the article here. A year later, Fuente prefers to talk about this team, the 2019 version of the Hokies, the one that isn't missing those players who left. This team is different from its predecessor. It's closely knit like family. It's having fun, looser practices and all. It's positive, optimistic of a rebound from last year's 6-7 and performance, confident in its ability to contend in one of the Power Five's most wide-open divisions, the ACC Coastal. We talked about this at length on the podcast, Joey and I, how wide-open the Coastal is this year. For many, Miami is the favorite. Some like upstart Virginia. Others pick Pitt to repeat or think Mac Brown will lead the Tar Heels to a surprise run. But why not the Hokies? They return 10 starters on defense and six on offense, including quarterback Ryan Willis. But it is off the field where this group has progressed more than anything. It took some players leaving to do so. In the last 16 months, this team has lost at least 22 players to dismissal, transfer, or academic ineligibility. Many of them older guys from Beamer's final signing class, 2015, and Fuentes first in 2016. About 60% or 27 of the signees in those two classes did not complete their careers here. Just 12 remain on the current roster. The team enters 2019 with only five players on its roster classified as seniors, something that will adversely impact the 2020 signing class. And we've talked about that at length, the fact that the Hokies are behind group of five teams in their 2020 signing class. It's something that's been underscored, right? You see all the transfers that that have come out of the program. And what's referenced in this article here is the fact that this is a very young roster. It's going to be a smaller signing class at Virginia Tech in 2020. And that's one of the main driving reasons why it might not be one of the higher-ranked classes that Justin Fuentes had. Back to the article. The Hokies might have room for just 12 to 15 signees, Fuentes suggests. As for all those transfers... Some who left were the perpetrators of negativity. No one will reveal their names. But I did, ladies and gentlemen. I did right here on this podcast. I'm not afraid to back that up. I got plenty of ammo there. Back to the article. Others departed as a result of that negativity. Another group sought playing time elsewhere after graduating. 
part of this deal is if you graduate and you're not a contributor, you earn the opportunity to go somewhere and get on the field, Fuente says. A couple guys went to smaller places to get an opportunity to play. I think that's a good thing. About 25% of those transferring players joined other Power 5 teams. A striking indicator of recruiting and evaluation misses. This is a completely different team, Turner says. Players say they have leaders now, real ones, not those who are pushing others to fold. This offseason was different than last year. The offense and the defense bonded. They became a family at events this summer, like at a pool party at Fuente's house and the outing at a local trampoline park. You know, some of you who are not fans of Virginia Tech will look at that and say, yep, that's not really that big of a deal. You know, they're hanging out. Show me the results on the field. Totally fair. Compared to a year ago, that's a huge deal. A team that had a culture, uh, you know, a cultural crisis, right, where total lack of identity, a total lack of identity across the program, but you're starting it in the offseason, you're building from ground zero, right? Justin Fuentes talked about that in the past with Virginia Tech, that each year is a new challenge, and they're starting at ground zero, they're trying to develop that chemistry off the field, and hopefully that translates to success on the field, where the Hokies went nine and three, or where the Hokies when six and seven a year ago have the potential to go nine and three, as I predicted uh, on our Virginia Tech preview podcast, there's a light schedule. You know, teams like Furman, teams like Rhode Island, they got Old Dominion again, a team they lost to last year, but that game's in Lane Stadium this year. And you know, with two guys, Chris Cunningham and Eric Kuma in particular on the other side, you know that game is circled for a lot of Hokies who didn't like the way that. The locker room was handled last year with those two guys on the roster. You know that game circled on the schedule of Justin Fuente. And Bud Foster, by the way, retiring after the season, you know he doesn't want to give up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yards once again to a team that quite honestly has no business being on the same field as Virginia Tech. Talent-wise, it's not even a debate, and Virginia Tech's going to have that game circled. The Coastal Division's wide open for the taking. Will Virginia Tech make the step forward on the field in 2019? That remains to be seen. But cultural-wise, from a culture standpoint, the Hokies are in a much better place this year than they were a year ago. We'll see where this season takes them. I'd be hard-pressed to see them going 6-7 six, six and seven or 7-6 seven and six or whatever it ends up being after, after a bowl game, right? I'd be hard-pressed to see that again. I think there's too much talent on the roster. There's too much experience. I think you have a coaching staff that's motivated here. And I think in addition to that, you have a culture that's that's fixed, right? You don't have guys who are going to transfer out in the middle of the year. You don't have guys who are going to, you know, downplay, you know, downplay what it means to be a Hokie and talk poorly about the coaching staff. I think the Hokies are in a better place now. We'll see where it pans out here as the season kicks off here in a couple of weeks. I got Boston College in the opener. We've already talked about how big of a game that is from an ACC standpoint across the landscape. That's a massive game against an Atlantic Division crossover team that you get every year in the opener on the road against a premier running back in A.J. Dillon. Virginia Tech had plenty of issues with their run defense a year ago. And they're going to have to find a way to get things rolling from the get-go against A.J. Dillon here on August 31st. That's all I got. I encourage you to got for you guys to go and and read up on this article. Um, again, we'll tweet it at Ross Dellinger. It's a Sports Illustrated article. Uh, he did an excellent job here inside Virginia Tech's internal turnaround after a season of division and negativity. Encourage you guys to go take a look at that. I needed to record an emergency podcast, mostly get that stuff off my chest because I was really frustrated reading that. 
Uh, it's something that I had assumed was an issue last year. But when you see it in black and white on paper, you have direct quotes from the coaching staff and current players on the roster talking about how bad it was and putting you know pen to paper and not being afraid to talk to a major pub- publication about it moving into the season. I think, in my opinion, as a Virginia Tech fan, you know, you guys know I write. And I try to be as objective as possible as a writer and on this podcast. But you guys know I'm a Hokies alum and fan. You know, for me, heading into the season as a fan of Virginia Tech, I think that the I think it's easier to move on to the new season now, knowing that a lot of the reasons why these transfers took place was because of individual issues within the program that were really beyond the coaching staff's control. These guys were angry about a situation, too big of an ego, uh, you know, too big of an ego to really overcome here, right? In the case of Trayvon Hill, a guy who was a constant problem. And I think having those guys removed from the program and Justin Fuente now having a roster filled with all of his guys, I think that'll go a long way to determining whether Virginia Tech will be in a better state moving forward than they were a year ago and see if that was that season that they had last year, the poor six and seven run that Virginia Tech had, if that was just a blip on the radar or more of a sign of what's to come. But I think that for the coaching staff, the evaluation that really started a year ago with a lot of Justin Fuentes guys in here will get a clean slate here heading into 2019, where a lot of people will look at the situation as, all right, Justin Fuente has all his guys in there now. There shouldn't be any cultural issues now. These are all your players that you've recruited to have the culture that you want at Virginia Tech and that you want to instill. There are no more excuses for Justin Fuente and his coaching staff, the Virginia Tech Hokies in 2019. So we'll see how it all pans out. Okay, that's all I got. Um, We got a North Carolina preview podcast dropping soon. So you guys will see that after I edit this podcast up and, uh, and get that out wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mike McDaniel ACC. Go take uh, uh, hit Joey with a follow if you haven't already at FTRS Joey. The show podcast, of course, uh, the podcast Twitter account is at BC Podcast ACC. You can tell that I'm new to hear this here outro as Joey usually handles it for me. Uh, you can find us in the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. I nailed it, I think. Uh, we'll see if you guys hit me up there. Uh, subscribe to us wherever you find your podcasts. Review us, rate us. We're on iTunes, Google Play. Uh, the Overcast app, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on the Anchor platform, which I've recorded ads for time and time again. So you guys know that by now. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Go take a look at that as well. And for Joey Weaver, who's here in spirit, I'm Mike McDaniel. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, go ACC. (laughs) 